you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, a quick note about ads from us, your hosts. We are picky about our advertisers and all of our partners or brands or products that we either use ourselves or that we think our audience would benefit from knowing about. Working with advertisers is what allows us to make this show, and they keep working with us because you, our listeners, use the unique links and codes they provide. It's one of the most meaningful ways to support what we do. So thanks for that. We're really, really grateful. If you're ever looking for a specific code, head to a thing or two hq.com slash sponsors and you'll find them all. Okay, here's the show. Welcome to a thing or two, a deep dive into stuff we think more people should know about. I'm Claire Mazer. And I'm Erica Cerullo. To share your thoughts on this episode or anything, really, leave us a voicemail at 833-632-5463 or DM us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. Enjoy in our Geneva. It's fun in there. It's fun in there. We like to start with a piece of BTS back to school mm-hmm. content. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. The term same grade. So useful. Just so useful. So useful. We, th- we throw it around all the time of like, yeah. oh, Claire, she was in your grade. Like same How grade old is as she? You. Same grade as you. Yeah. Same grade. There's something about it that feels so young and mm-hmm. so fun in the way that same age does not. Yeah, I agree. Also, like grade is just it's contextually different. different. Yeah. Yes. Like what grade you're in when a show yeah. came out or when a song was released feels more like telling than because it, it's like what life stage. Well, also, by the way, people our age, it's like, were you in college on 9-11? Were you in high school? Like there, there's a, what there were grade like, were you in? Yeah. You know, I just think some important stuff happened. <laughs> there are some milestones and we got to know, were you like in home ec or were you in the dining hall? Exactly. 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 Somewhat related to this mm-hmm. in my mind, our friends Lizzie and Catherine have this very charming habit of referring to people by first name, last initial, like it's so Kate good. B, yeah, it's so good. Which also feels wonderfully grade school mm-hmm. because that's like, you know, Kate B and Kate S and whatever, yes. whatever. And it makes I think a very strong pairing with same grade. Like, oh, KB, she was in the same grade as you. No, I agree completely. I do have a friend, Becky J, who she's, you know, getting close to 40 at this point, and we still (laughs) call her Becky J. Something else that I don't know why I felt like I needed to talk about this or work, I think like workshop it with you. Well, it's Um, more back to school content. That's it. That's it. Notebooks, Mm -hmm. fresh notebooks, Mm -hmm. uh, new pens, ultra fine line flare pens, Mm -hmm. to-do lists. I feel like I've been keeping to-do lists mostly the same way for a long time, but I've started to think about them as sort of like 
my process as having active and passive components. Mm, okay. Can I explain this to you? Please. Okay. So my active to-do list for work is a notebook, which specifically are these like little word notebooks. Mm-hmm. We've um, been using those for a very long time. They are a, per- a nice size for me. They mm-hmm. fit in a purse. They only get so like ruffled before you run out of pages, which mm-hmm. I don't like when mm-hmm. they start looking shitty. Yeah, you know? they need to be um, small I agree. And there's a, and I use a page for each day and then I like jot down other stuff on the opposite side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One question about this. Do you not yes. have like a master anywhere? Because when you write stuff down for a day, mm-hmm. if you know something that is on your to-do list is not going to get done that day, are you putting it a page later? I am. I'm putting it down on the day when I think I will actually get it done and okay. trying to manage my own expectations about that. Okay. Yeah. But That's for smart. my, I'm, I, to an well, extent. Well, I like yeah. that you're not distracting yourself with something that you're just like, realistically, no, you're not going to do that day. I do like at 3 p.m. on a given day, I'll like look at what my list has and I'm like, oh, that's not happening. And mm-hmm. I like, I don't cross it off. Mm-hmm. I like do DOL loop, like mm-hmm. like delete it in my yeah. list and move it to the next day or the day after. Okay. Okay. So that I don't even see it as something I'm trying to get through okay. that day, which I yeah. think is good for yeah. me. Yeah. My personal to-do list is an iPhone note and it is loosely prioritized with bullets. Mm-hmm. The problem with that is that there's not a lot of satisfaction of seeing things get crossed off. Mm. And it it just becomes this like but list do you not that like gets longer and shorter. No, I do. I get to check yeah. things off, but the yeah. like because I you understand. don't Yeah, be, it just doesn't have the same satisfaction. Something that has oh, I've always noted as a difference between me and you when it comes to to-do list writing. I remember realizing this in 2010 when we started working together. I cannot put my personal to-do list some I can't I cannot separate my personal to-do list from my professional one because then the personal stuff will never get done. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, you know, motivated by pressure and whether real or imagined, there's an, always an external pressure for me to get the professional stuff done in a way that the personal stuff always feels like, oh, that's for me to do like on my own time or like at night or whatever. And then I just keep pushing it off. So I have to put it all on the same to-do list. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I get that. I think for me, I will like carve out, I'll be at a point where I'm like, oh, I'm brain dead and there's like Mm -hmm. nothing I can do. Or I have 15 minutes of weird time. And so Mm -hmm. I'm going to look at my personal to-do list and be like, ah, yes, I need to call the dentist. I'm going to like do that thing now. So over the last couple of years, I've started to have this sort of like these passive ways of flagging things for my to-do list when I don't want to put them on the list and when Mm -hmm. I don't want to be like actively managing my to-do list at night or on weekends and like Mm -hmm. trying to create a better separation. So for my personal to-do list, it's just like screenshotting stuff and going back through that of of being like, oh, I need to like deal with this or respond to this Mm -hmm. or like I should buy this gift for someone or whatever. On the work side, it's mostly starring emails, which works so well for me. I can't believe how yeah. satisfying it is. Like I start emails and then the next morning or on a Monday, I will look at my starred emails and, you know, you move filter by starred. I filter by starred mm-hmm. and I put those things on a to-do list to respond to them or whatever. Yeah. Or saving things to pocket to mm-hmm. read. And then you put on your to-do list to read those things that are in your pocket. Sometimes. Like mm-hmm. the things that feel like are like actual like work reads. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because otherwise I will like put off reading them. I don't yeah. know why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Well, yeah. because the internet has given you new things to read. Always. Yes. A bottomless, a bottomless pit of things to read. You need to, to go back to printing off articles. You know? We do. We really do. That would be nice. What are you doing? I started this routine at the top of the pandemic when I felt 
I didn't know how to do anything, you know, like really early pandemic. I was like, I've lost all ability to be productive and I don't know what to do. And someone gave me a tip that I think she got from getting things done, which is a sort of like productivity or just sort of like an approach, a system, which I think is one that actually probably speaks to me if I was willing to really get into it. But yeah, I took this thing away from it, which is that break things up into type of task and give yourself lists of types of tasks. So for me, I used to split out phone calls, but then there are so few of them. And I also realized that in my mind, they're sort of the same as emails where it's just like, I need to figure out how to say something to someone right now. And is my brain capable of doing that? So it's emails, yes. writing, which requires like more focused time, more uh-huh. brain, design, errands, purchases, and then back burner of stuff that just like, I'm not going to get done for a while. And I can just sort of gauge what sort of a headspace I'm in, what capacity I have and move to whichever sort of list depending. I will say prioritization can be harder with this system. So if I'm like really struggling with like, I need to prioritize, I will circle or highlight stuff on the lists that really need to get done or just like create another like small list somewhere that's like, here's the stuff that actually has to get done today. And what I have found is that those days of the week style planners that give you the entire week at a glance Uh work really well for this because I just cross out the names of the days and write the category instead. So I've used different ones. Appointed used to have a really good one that was sort of like, almost like desk Desk size. size. Yeah. Yeah. But now, and those were big and so you couldn't put them in a purse. The thing I love now is from Mochi Things, their GMZ series. It's called the Simple Checklist Notebook. And it's nice because it also has little, almost like sections for notes, little gridded sections at the bottom of each day. So that's where I might like pull out the priorities or take some notes or something like that. Uh But Uh I'm, I'm very into those and I got really nervous about them going out of stock or just being discontinued. So I had to order a ton because they were a real game changer for me. Thomas, for personal to-do lists, he makes a monthly list that he like adds to and it's like physical on a sheet of paper. And he also, because he's Thomas, draws some thematic (laughs) monthly art. So it's really a shocker. He doesn't use a bullet journal. I like he could bullet journal, but then he'd probably get upset that it doesn't give him enough creative freedom or some Mm, some mm -hmm. such. But there might be a sailboat. There might be a this. There might be a whatever on this. And it does appear to be very satisfying to see the things get crossed off and to be like, for it to be like big things and small Mm. things, like all in one space. I don't know that it's for me, but it's intriguing. I don't know if I'm ready for for our listeners to write in with their incredibly complex explanations for how they keep their to-do lists. But I want to know. I'm dying to know. I'm looking forward to it. I know it's going to stress me out a little bit because people are going to have the most insane things. I mean, yeah, but you know, the more insane, the better. That's the thing. We're all bringing it, you know, we're all just (laughs) bringing it. Thank you so much to Weston for sponsoring today's episode. I saw a funny cartoon on the internet today that was like a couple sitting at a table reviewing something. And the guy was like, so here's what we have to do to stay within our budget, except when we go on vacation, at which point we just spend like there's no tomorrow. And I laughed because I feel like for a long time, that's also how I used to think about wellness. Like I'm very regimented on it when I'm not on vacation. Then when I'm on vacation, it's like all out the it window, just goes out the window. Yeah. And of course, as I get older, it, I can't do that anymore. And not just because like I go crazy. Like I just need to maintain a certain level of sanity and feeling better by also doing all of my exercise and eating like a normal, you know, within reason person uh, while I am traveling. And 
I'm so excited about all the stuff that Weston has going on to sort to help a person do that while they are traveling. Weston hotels make it possible for you to keep up with your wellness routine while traveling. With signature offerings that help you move, eat, and sleep well, Weston hotels make travel an opportunity to enhance your well-being. At Weston, you can work out how you want with a variety of fitness options. You can even customize your workout on the go with Hyperice and Bala products to borrow during your stay. You can eat well with the Weston's Eat Well menu designed with foods that make you meet your nutritional needs. Weston chefs have crafted dishes with your well-being in mind. Choose what's right for you based on desired portion size, nutrition balance, and ingredients. And Weston makes it easier for you to continue nourishing your health no matter the destination. Recharge your body and mind with restorative sleep in Weston's renowned heavenly bed. And then like maybe even, you know, buy the comforter to take home with you. At Weston Hotels, there are amenities and offerings aimed to help you move well, eat well, and sleep well, so you can keep your well-being close while away. Find wellness on your next day at Weston. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. I think we've officially hit the point of the year when people are like, wait, this year's almost over. What's happening? Like I, I saw my first mention of all I want for Christmas is you on social media this week. Mm. I, that what, what other tell is there than like taking Mariah out, putting her on display, like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And I think that what coincides with this is people being like, I want to start therapy in 2023 who maybe yes. haven't done that thing yet. This was on your new year's resolution list. The clock is ticking. The good news is there's still time. We still have like fully like four months of Mariah ahead of us, but like maybe <laughs> now is the time to get the ball rolling. And like also the fall of like getting back on schedules and all of that. I don't know. I think that that also kind of like messes with people a little bit and people can use a little bit of like structure and help getting back into the mindset of yeah, the like structure of fall, which is very different from the like sort of freewheeling nature of summer. Oh my gosh, big time. Listen, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's so easy to sign up and get started. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge because duh, the first one you meet might not be the right one for you. You got to just try it, you know, at least a few. And you can't feel bad breaking up. You got to just yeah, do it. Just move on. Get a break from your thoughts with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash a thing or two today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash a thing or two. Hi, I'm Shira Barlow, but you may know me as the food therapist. I'm so excited to announce Dear Media's first ever daily show, Good Instincts. If you've ever found it challenging to eat thoughtfully while juggling a busy schedule, then this show is for you. Instead of aiming to simply eat healthier, we'll focus on tips and mindset shifts that streamline the process. Because balance is key. And the less complicated, the better. Join me every Monday through Friday for bite-sized episodes designed to help you close the gap between where you are right now and where you want to go. Available wherever you get your podcasts. You know, Claire, I think insanity is a good transition for the mm -hmm. next bit. Nuttiness. So we're going on a food journey. Mm -hmm. We are starting with ice cream bars and why America doesn't get the best ones. And then we are ending up somewhere completely different that is somehow not dessert. And you just <laughs> strap in, friends. Strap uh, in. That's right. Buckle your seatbelts. We're starting with talking about this ice cream bar that you put in the newsletter. Yeah. So there is a Magnum Star Chaser mm -hmm. ice cream bar. It is. I love the layers of them theming this holiday. Explain, explain why it's called the Star Chaser. Well, it's popcorn flavored ice cream. Mm -hmm. Thus, it is Hollywood themed. Um, right. Because you eat stars at the movies and, and stars. Hollywood and stars, movie stars. Got it. Mm -hmm. Star Chaser. You get it. 
I had it in the Czech Republic. I was under the impression that I would be able to get this ice cream bar at another date. I had it. It was so good. Like truly one of those obnoxious things where after every bite, I was like, I can't believe how good this is. Like, <laughs> did you just get another? The drum. No, because 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 Claire, it felt like this was it was not at like a cute store. It was mm-hmm. at like a the random corner, like yeah. a corner store that sells like one kind of laundry detergent. Like right. it, it was not like special. Yeah. So I assumed that this product would be readily available to me yeah. and I would be able to have it whenever I wanted. And it is the only time I've encountered it. And I've looked, I looked in Prague. I looked like, you know, I looked elsewhere. I looked in the United States. I keep buying boxes of Magnum uh, bars at the grocery store that are not this flavor. Like they say- But you thought maybe it would have like a different name in the US. No, not even. I'm just chasing the high. And I'm like, oh, like perhaps this will be close enough. It's not. Like all the other ones are like regular. They're like regular, regular ice cream bars. This one was so special. But the Magna makes all of these like specialty flavors. And yes. you know what? We get none of them. 4.0 customer rating on their website. And all I'm seeing is five stars here with just best ice cream ever. Probably the best one to this date. Double exclamation point. Magnum delight. Delicious. Amazing flavors. Oh, someone said a strange taste and too much sweet. Okay, now we're getting... Somebody said, well, OMG. That's the title of their review. Yeah. Well, OMG. Yeah, people well, love Well, OMG. It's delicious. The thing is that Magnum exists in the US, but it just has not moved in in a real way. I'm seeing their own by Unilever. I would have guessed Nestle. And I... I you remember I, for a while they were trying to make like a fashion push? They were trying yes, to do like a fashion week? I do remember that. Situation? They just feel so distinctly European to me. And I laughed because... Tinks recently posted an Instagram. She was somewhere in Europe and was like, tagged Magnum at Magnum. I am begging you. We need this flavor in the U.S. And I was like, oh, this is happening. People are like, this is going to become it's like ice cream bar tourism. The people are going specifically to get the special Magnums. And, you know, Magnums are not like exotic snacks. Like, you know, now we have all these exotic snacks places in New York where people are basically just filling their suitcases with, you know, the snacks from Japan, Korea. Japan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You can't do that with an ice cream bar. No, no. I know that there is an argument to be made that we should have this experience special when we're traveling, but I don't want that. I, I want this want ice cream want. bar whenever I want this ice cream bar, unfortunately. That's just the truth of it. It brings to mind that it's one of the few sort of American, truly regional foods. It's this ice cream sandwich that I think is specific to the Bay Area, right? To San yes. Francisco. Yes. But you can yes. find in other places in California. And I think it was Marissa Meltzer who recently posted. She was like, like PSA for fellow Californians. You can now find these at Court Street in Brooklyn, at Court Street Grocers. Like these certain things that people are just denying us. Or do you think that should give us hope? Do you think that it's, it should give me hope or no? It is interesting. I mean, you got to imagine though, it's like Magnum is already in the U.S. It's, it's, they're like, if we're just like a regional business. How are we getting this frozen product across the country? Magnum's already got the infrastructure in and out is if in and out's moving beyond like Mm. why can't it's it's, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I think, you know what Magnum should do? They should they should get deep into the U.S. Open for starters, because Mm. that feels like the crowd that they're already tapping. Do a big partnership with the U.S. Open. Do a special U.S. Open like you know, grand sl- yeah. grand slam flavor, and mm-hmm. it can be. I don't know how you do tennis theme, but they will think of it because they did popcorn for Hollywood. They will figure it out. I am not worried. Yeah, I think you're right. I think fashion wasn't necessarily the right industry for them to attach themselves to. Tennis, I think, is it. 
I think is it. I think that is exactly right. The other thing it brings to mind for me is just the regional chips. Yes. And that like there are all of these chip the flavors. The crab chips. Le- the, yeah. Or that like Lay's is putting out, you know, these like flavors in Brazil that we have zero yes. access to. And why not? Right. Why do we have to smuggle them in a suitcase and then start an exotic snacks bodega? Why? Yeah. That it will soon be a weed purveyor. Why? I would like to transition to another California specialty, much like it's it's that you can't get much in New York. Like. But I actually just feel like I don't know why. And it's going to surprise people because I've derided this business in the past. But I'm <laughs> You've here to- You've expressed criticism. You've expressed criticism. I've expressed criticism. In fact, I have a full, as you- as we also discussed. So we're talking about John and Vinny's. I've come <laughs> around on it. Okay. And my thing is that it's basically a chain. And I think New York is ready for one. And I don't know why we don't have one yet. Like, it just feels obvious to me. And I know that Jelena, it's just Celebrity Olive Garden. It's Celebrity yeah. Olive Garden. If that we was... get sent Little Doms before John and Vinny's, I am moving. I do not want Little Doms. I want John and Vinny's. I want to tell you, I could just kind of consider this a formal request. <laughs> So I did not used to like it. I you want to in fact, I'll read you my iPhone note of it because, you know, I take these iPhone notes at restaurants. So I remember what I like and don't like because I forget. It's like a review except just for you. Okay, spicy fusilli is too spicy. We don't like it that much. House salad is incredible. It's better than the chopped salad. You don't need to order both, but could do two house salads. Get extra dressing on the side. Grilled sugar snap peas are not good. Broccoli is really, really good, but definitely spicy. Pasta with sausage is very good, but so heavy. Clams and linguine is great. Polenta with mushrooms is nice and cozy. You don't actually want a full glass of the orange wine. Rainbow cookies are not good. Budino is meh. Soft serve is great. Cachui, pepe, question mark. Because I haven't tried it yet, but I saw it on someone's Instagram and it looked good. <laughs> <laughs> this is like truly you at your most Meg Ryan in Winter mm, and Sally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, didn't make that connection, but it, it's my cat's. Yeah, it's like the most high maintenance, <laughs> low maintenance. Like you don't think you're low maintenance, but no, you know I, I know just I'm like, high <laughs> But I so, but this also like relates back in another way to some previous Instagram content. So the thing that truly turned me with John and Vinny's was the house salad. Yeah, it is so good. It's got some vibes of a chopped salad. Like it has provolone in it. It has pepperoncini. I, I think pepperoncini should be in most salads so good. It has sun gold tomatoes. It has, I think it's gem lettuce. It's, and then this incredible creamy Italian dressing, which I have tried to recreate. You helpfully dropped in a link for me of that. Somebody tried to dupe it. And I, as I said, I've tried that recipe twice now. Good mood food is not the answer. She's tried it twice, friends. I do appreciate that she tried. It's just, it's not the same. The last time we were there, Chris and I were trying really hard to channel what the flavors were. And he thinks that the acid might be pepperoncini brine, which I think he's not wrong about. We told the waiter we were trying to figure it out. And he just very solemnly and mysteriously said, there are a lot of ingredients in it. Tamar Adler would be so excited if they were using pepperoncini brine. In I think dressing. they might be. I, yeah. I yeah. would really like to know. I have to say, though, the thing that really made me be like full on, yes, John and Vinny's, we are we are aligned is that they have a pizza. It's called their Salad Days Pizza, and it is a pizza with this salad on top of it. And you know I love a salad pizza, and this highly specific, wonderful salad is on it. And I just want to say, as a convert, that I think the culture did a real disservice to John and Vinny's by hyping up the spicy fusilli and making that the brand, because it's not their standout. I think the clams with linguine is the standout. That's interesting. That is interesting. I do. Okay, so... 
I would like to suggest, in addition mm-hmm. to John and Vinny's coming to New York, that John and Vinny's do a chip collab. Genius. I think that unfortunately we would need to start with spicy fusilli because that is the recipe they've hung their hat on. Then once that takes, I think you can get the linguine with clams or you can get the Italian dressing chip. Like, I think we can get there. I think the creamy Italian dressing chip would be incredible. Honestly, the other thing they could do is just take a little inspiration from Rouse and bottle this creamy Italian dressing and just sell it. DM them the link to how much money Rouse <laughs> made for, for selling, selling their, their business, their pasta sauce business. DM them that and see I what really happens. I really don't like to go negative on the internet. So I feel a little bad about, you know, expressing disappointment in some of their dishes. But I just want to say, like, I, I'm fully coming on the other side. Well, but you've expressed so much delight in many others. I think it's okay. It's a huge menu. No one's going to like everything on it. Okay. No one's going to like everything on it. Speaking of clams. Yes. I think that clams and specifically clam dip are where we are going next. I um, love this for us. And I lo- I think you're right. I think it's accurate. I think it's insightful. I think it's prescient. And I prescient. think <laughs> I think I think it's also what I want. You know, it's what I, I, I want. It's, it's optimistic. It feels like the the perfect baby. Mm-hmm. The Surrey Cruise, if you will, of yeah. the tinned fish moment and the Midwestern regional cuisine thing. And this that is happening. This this is this is you at your best. This is right. This is, this is right. <laughs> this is, so, yeah. so many restaurants are doing fancy onion dip, mm-hmm. which is like delicious, wonderful. Yeah. I'm yeah. never going to say And fancy, fancy onion bloomin' dip. onions. Fancy bloomin' onions. Exactly. Yeah. There is a lot of like, you know, obviously linguine with clam sauce. People went to Italy once, like whatever. We're, we're like doing a clam. But like a canned clam mm-hmm. in a clam dip, incredible. I made this 40 aprons recipe for friends. And one of like, the two most important features of it are Worcestershire sauce. Oh my which God, just, do I love Worcestershire sauce. Why are we using it more? Why are we not using it, it more? It is so good. My dad's flank steak recipe has a Worcestershire sauce marinade. There's some other stuff in it that is, my mouth is watering. Worcestershire sauce, soy sauce, lemon, like some sugar. Ugh. So good. I also saw Incredible. the funniest internet joke the other day that I can't remember what the context was, but it was like, it was the best to shire. It was the worst to shire. <laughs> It really did it for me. (laughs) The other thing that I did to this recipe that was not included was Mm -hmm. a big old scoop of horseradish. Mm, Um, Inspired. Because like, first of all, Holy Schmitz, which is a long time Mm -hmm. thingy, just deserves to be in more things also. There's also something about Worcestershire and horseradish that like Mm. just, yes, like both like sonically and (laughs) (laughs) they just go together they vibe they're meant to be yes yeah i just i want more clam dip presence i think this is happening i think it's coming for us i really hope you're right and i would like to request that you make the clam dip for me too i I will i will i will and i will also serve it with the wavy uts chips Mm, yes which are they are so thin they Mm -hmm. are so like i don't know they are the perfect dip chip i like a nuts yeah, the wavy specifically. Wavy okay. specifically. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you to Georgia Tech Stellar College of Business for sponsoring today's episode. It is back to school season. Today, the day that we are recording is the day that Instagram is just full of kids going back to school and their backpacks that are as big as they are and all of it. And I have to say it has really felt like back to school in every way this year. And it does make me miss just like being in school and learning, learning, learning. And that feeling, I just, 
And it is such a reminder of like, you can go back to school basically at any age. And Georgia Tech Scheller College of Business is so invested in getting women into their program, supporting women in business. They want students to feel empowered in their careers. They are really just helping them commit to achieving their dreams, no matter their background, work experience, or future goals. And we are so excited to be partnering with them. They also make it possible to have a very flexible schedule and to make this fit in for you. So meet Georgia Tech Sellers full-time evening and executive MBA programs consistently ranked top 20 in the nation. In fact, the evening MBA program is the number one part-time MBA program in Georgia. Sellers full-time MBA program is ranked number one among top business schools when comparing total tuition costs with average starting salary. Tuition is over 50% lower than other comparably ranked programs. They're all about career transformation. Scheller's MBA career services are ranked top five in the world, six years running. Their advisors can assist you through one-on-one coaching, interview prep, resumes, and career development workshops, career fairs, and so much more. Women are leaders in the Scheller community and have many opportunities to build their leadership skills through student-led clubs, committees, events, and leadership development programs, you name it. Visit gtmbawomen.com to learn more about Georgia Tech Scheller's MBA programs, gtmbawomen.com. Thank you so much to Indeed for sponsoring today's episode. Back when you and I were hiring for jobs pretty regularly Mm -hmm. and like hiring for different types of jobs would be like, oh, we're looking for a merchant. We're looking for a social media manager. We're looking for this or that. I feel like part of the struggle was always where are we posting these jobs that are going to attract the right candidate for the role. And there was always this like surveying of friends and surveying. I was going to say, I feel like we'd ask interns. Yeah, be like, where did you where did you find this jobs job? these days? No, truly, it was like always such a thing to yes. figure out the platforms because yes. it always just felt like weirdly niche and complicated. And it's really nice with Indeed that like that's not the case. You don't have to like jump through a million hoops to do this. Indeed's hiring platform delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined, which is which is wow. Which is wow. <laughs> Indeed does the hard work for you by showing you candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Even better, Indeed is the only job site where you only pay for applications that meet your must have requirements. Indeed is a hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. It streamlines hiring with powerful tools that find you matched candidates. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their description the moment they sponsor a job, according to Indeed Data US. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast and start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash a thing or two. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash a thing or two. Just go to Indeed.com slash a thing or two and support the show by saying you heard about it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash a thing or two. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Think you know diamonds? Probably not as much as you think. Over a billion years old, the natural diamond is still very much a part of the present. Our engagement ring, the gift from our partner, or the jewelry we buy to celebrate a win sparks a lot of joy. But did you know that stone is connected to 10 million people around the world? From Canada to Africa to Australia, the impact of the natural diamond industry is huge, providing healthcare, building schools and roads to remote communities worldwide. Your natural diamond saves threatened species like the African elephant from extinction and protects more land than Paris, London, and New York City combined. Each natural diamond promises a more sparkling future for generations to come. Discover so many more natural diamond truths at naturaldiamonds.com slash thank you. 
We also both love this Tenayo black bean dip, which started as an Instagram thingy that somebody submitted. It's so good. They sent us this dip. It is so incredible. It's basically like, is it fair to say that it's a little bit between like a classic bean dip and a salsa? Because it's like Mm -hmm. a little. Yeah, um, it's got some flavor in it. And it's like a little bit thinner than like, it's not. Yeah. Uh, you're not like scraping with a chip. Yes. No, 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 no. It's not the consistency of hummus. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like the like the bean dip that you buy in a, like like by Fritos. As we've discussed, jarred things I struggle with there often just have that like sour taste that I assume is citric acid. This did not yeah. have that. It was quite good. It also has teed up an opportunity for me to discuss the brother's product, black bean chipotle hummus, which is- If I'm remembering of- correctly, you packed this in your suitcase when you fly back from LA? It's one of my great joys in life and passions. It is so good. And I feel that speaking of things you cannot get again in New York, I feel my life, my quality of life, my level of health would be different if this is something I could have all the time. Wow. It is. So Brothers Products is a farmer's market stand at our local farmer's market in Los Angeles. And I think they go to a lot of the farmer's markets in Los Angeles and they sell all sorts of Mediterranean, mainly dips, but then also like falafel and grape leaves and things like that. Mm, the, love a grape leaf. They make, I do too, and I love their grape leaf. They have a lot of good stuff. But this black bean chipotle hummus is next level. If I bring it out for guests, everybody's like, what is this? As you have noted, I bring it back in my suitcase. The first time I dared do this, I tried to bring it through my carry-on because that seemed prudent. And I asked several people at security and they were like, yeah, it's hum- yeah, hummus should be fine. I get there and the guy's like, no, this has to be frozen. If you want to carry it on, you can't bring it through. So he's like, you want me to throw it out? I was like, Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I will march my ass back to check in and I will check this bag. Chris gave me so much grief about it and then ate all of it. Classic. So, yeah. Classic. I do want to try to recreate it at home because I think it's possible. The ingredient list is chickpeas, tahini, chipotle, black beans, olive oil, and salt. And if they, if you live in Los Angeles, Riverside County, or Orange County, you can mail order it from their website and you should. Similarly, I'm like, I don't know if you, you can mail it across the country. No, like well, they're some, already shipping, right? Yeah, right, right. You're like you just gotta get some dry ice. Yeah, totally. I think that's right. I th- I think it's possible that this that this will be a shipped product at some point. I think so too. We just gotta hype them up. We gotta get. We've gotta do for them what we as a culture did for Leather Spa. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. The other bean dip I love, but it is a little bit involved. But wow, is it good? It's the New York Times Vegan Onion Dip by Yossi Arafi. It is one of those recipes where it just should not taste as good as it does based on the ingredients, which are white beans, soaked cashews, caramelized onions, a bunch of spices and powders, lemon juice, and ACV. It tastes it tastes so rich and sort of French onion dippy. The thing you have to do, and you must trust the recipe and the commenters on this, prepare it the day before. One, you need a lot of time to soak the cashews, but it has to sit in the fridge and you have to let the flavors meld and it makes a huge difference. And it is one of those things where people, again, people's minds are blown. Like what? This is so good. How is there no cream in this or mayo or whatever? But it's vegan. It's great. Vegan. It's a bean and onion dip um, that just tastes like a creamy onion dip. I need to say one last thing about beans before we go off mm-hmm. this, before we, before we move on from this flurry but of food. God knows we'll content. never talk about beans again. Never. So get it in mm-hmm. while you can. Yeah, no, totally. Claire, thank you. Gwyneth Paltrow's black bean recipe. Listen, yeah. think what you will, whatever. Mm-hmm. Olive oil in a pan or olive oil in like a pot. Mm-hmm. Saute a couple of cloves of minced garlic. Dump the entire can of black beans, mm-hmm. liquid and all. You do not drain it. This is yeah. the key. You do not drain it into the pot. You let it 
cook like Mm -hmm. semi-covered until it gets to the consistency that you want it to be. You turn off the heat, you squeeze in some lime, you are done. It they are perfect. So easy. And she recommends putting cilantro in, which I assume you do not do. Oh yeah. I ignore that completely. If you feel like it, you can smush some of the beans. Totally. And some of them just kind of end up smushing when I stir them. You know, they just yeah, they self-smush. They self-smush. We had a themed week around here Mm -hmm. with stuff we noticed on Mm -hmm. the internet. Mm -hmm. You noticed this T Magazine Cinemagraph feature. And Cinemagraph is, I hesitate to use that word, but I don't know what else to use. Cinemagraph is a term that Jamie Beck and Kevin Bird came up with in probably 2012-ish. Yeah, like 2011. Like, I don't know. Yeah. What at the time was like, I think they were the first to do this. It was incredible. They were these GIFs that were still photos with one isolated piece of movement in them. So maybe you'd have a portrait of a woman and just one strand of her hair was blowing in the wind. And they are, I mean, Jamie and Kevin doing a really incredible and precise job such that these are like these spooky, moving, incredible things. Incredible things. And you had volunteered the services of your then pet rabbit, Patsy, for one. Well, she was cast. She was cast. I said that. I said that all wrong. Patsy was cast. Thank you. Patsy was cast in an ad for Saks that was like Alice in Wonderland themed. And Patsy, there were like multiple Patsies Mm -hmm. who were moving around in this ad for like a pair of glittery like Stuart Weitzman shoes. I also just need to, you know, it's one of my favorite ad campaigns, 10022 shoe, that the shoe department's so good. It has its own zip code. Incredible. Love it. It It, it is incredible. So well. Um, it it was incredible. an ad for 1022 Shoe. It was an ad for 1022 Shoe. Anyway, so T Magazine just published a editorial about flowers and like flower arrangements on the floor that felt evocative of that. Uh, well, because it was also rabbits moving. Yes. It was just, it was rabbits. <laughs> it was a cinemagraph style mm-hmm. GIF, multiple of them yes. with rabbits moving around a mess of. I mean, honestly, stuff. if they'd used guinea pigs, it would have still felt evocative, but not <laughs> the same. Yeah. And this happened the same week that Twitter noticed that Kiff had done this display that was a pile of colorful shoes piled in a corner meant to commemorate an anniversary of the X-Men franchise that looks remarkably similar to this incredibly famous Felix Gonzalez Torres piece that is a pile of wrapped hard candies in a corner that memorializes his partner who died of AIDS. The other reference it brings to mind is Holocaust imagery depicting piles of shoes of those who've been mur- who'd been murdered. So either way, just a bad look. No matter how bad look, bad look, bad look. Obviously, this Felix Gonzalez Torres rip is way more upsetting than the (laughs) rabbit. Yes. Yeah. It's it's tough to talk about because the two images that it references are both very dark, but it's all part of a theme here. Right. We're not all part of the theme. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. So somebody noticed it on Twitter and pointed it out. And it was like it was just one of these like shocking things. Was like, Oh, my God. And, you know, there are, of course, the people who are like, he didn't come up with like art as a pile. And you're like, I don't know. This feels like a really well-known piece. And it's like really. And here's what I'll say, though. I think I want to like suppose good intentions. I think the person oh, who yeah. put this on a mood board did not know what this no, piece no, no. was. And the thing about putting things on a mood board is that it, it decontextualizes them. Exactly. That is like the entire purpose of a mood board to pull things out of their original context yes. and sit them alongside other things. And, and give then- them new context. And give them new context and pull bits and bobs and be like, voila, we've done it. But then, in fact, you're missing the context. Well, and Pinterest used at its best gives you the provenance very easily. Although yes. there is the option on on Pinterest to upload the upload images without linking them back to wherever, whatever their origin is. And that's a problem. Although, yeah, it just 
it's on the person to figure out, you know, what's the context? Who's the author of this image? And you know, some, reverse Google image search exists. Right. So someone commented on Twitter, maybe this is when we finally put an end to mood boards, which brought to mind this incredible piece that was published in AIGA's Ion Design, which side note is a very good blog that is just much better than it needs to be. AIGA is the American Institute of Graphic Arts. Anyway, this piece, it was published in March. It's called All Advertising Looks the Same These Days, Blame the Mood Board. And LOL, of course, the person who wrote this turns out to be the same person who surfaced the Kith piece on Twitter and made the comparison. So this person is, is on this beat. Yes. Yeah. Elizabeth yeah, yeah, Godspeed yeah. is on this beat. Godspeed. Elizabeth Godspeed. Godspeed. So it's a really good piece. It's not that long. And it's just, I think, a really important contribution to this discussion of like where we are with visuals in this moment. The gist of it is that the way art directors are expected to get approval on shoot concepts in advance of actually doing the shoot means they become overly reliant on the creation of mood boards using existing imagery that they find online. And it, all ends up getting overly referential and narrow. But she does such a good job explaining it that if you will allow me, I just want to read a chunk of this. She says, in today's extremely online world, the vast availability of reference imagery has, perhaps counterintuitively, led to narrower thinking and shallower visual ideation. She says, it's a product of what I like to call the mood board effect. Unlike graphic design, where client approval typically happens after work has been created, in art direction, the order is flipped with client sign-off required before any imagery has been made. This gap between sign-off and execution is where the mood board comes in. Art directors are expected to provide a variety of boards that break down every aspect of a shoot, from lighting to propping, as well as a shot list that will be strictly followed by a photographer. This pressure to provide final results in advance of production encourages art directors to only propose ideas that they can find existing photographic examples of and to ultimately recreate these ideas on set. No matter that for much of the past, simple sketches or written descriptions of shots were more than adequate to demonstrate an intended visual result. I just think it's such a compelling explanation. And I agree. I, I agree. You can only you can only create things that have already been that already exist. Yeah. And it's not, you know, by virtue think, of the process. Exactly. And it doesn't explain everything, but it explains no. a lot of things. And it's like, you know, I I think you hear a lot of griping in creative industries about how like nobody wants to take risks anymore. And that that's the result of this sort of like co- corporate culture that we've created. And it used to be that you'd like bring in Irving Penn to shoot for Clinique and be like, you're Irving Penn, go crazy, right? I'm not worried. Yeah. I'm not worried. Yeah. And that just doesn't happen anymore. And it's no single person's fault. It's sort of the like culture of fear and economic instability that we live in where nobody wants to be blamed for something not working out. Well, and like a focus on corporate profits and yeah. all of that. Also too. that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And data. And it's like everything. Data. You've got to be able to prove the success of everything in the numbers. And that didn't yes. used to be the case because we didn't used to be able to do that. We didn't used yes. to be able to credit a campaign with such specificity, you know, for converting to sales. Correct. 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 This conversation about mood boards made me think about decoupage. Mm, um, a favorite topic, of a, course. A favorite. I just like... I like loved decoupage as a teen, as a form. And I think I've said some of this before, just in that like, I'm not good at art, but I can like craft a little bit. And this felt like a good, you know, way to play in that space. The thing that I remembered that I had not thought about in so long is I had this one really good camp friend and we were pen pals and we used to decoupage envelopes that, that we you would send, send each other. Did you do that? It was I'm like, a little bit. Stop. It was so no, great and so exciting. Fun. Yes. And just it, there was also that thrill of sending anything that didn't look like real mail and that the mail that the post office they would still had. To, yes. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. you would like paste all these crazy magazine tears on the outside of an envelope 
and put an address and a stamp on it and it would somehow still get there. And that felt like the most marvelous thing. No, I love that. I really, really love that. And the th- so the, basically one of the things that made me think about mood boards is that, oh, wow, with decoupage, what you're doing is you're really showcasing your source material. Like it's wow. all yes. source material. Yes. So the person whose work got me back to be like, oh, I think I should be into decoupage as an adult is this woman, Michelle Kim. She yes. makes these really beautiful clothes and napkins and tablecloths that all have this like sort of quilting, scrapping, like upcycling energy. But she also makes these amazing glass decoupage plates. She uses Liberty of London fabrics and like cuts out shapes from within the fabrics. We visited the plates at Neil and Co. Rarities in L.A. And like They're it was so just good. They're so good. It's crazy. It's crazy to me. All, all this stuff that she does is just so appealing. It's really it feels really special. Basically, Michelle Kim sent me down this like little bit of a rabbit hole of other people who are doing interesting, very like grown up decoupage. Obviously, John Darian is the mm-hmm. king of this and has been doing it a long time, although his decoupage to me feels a little bit different because it's very. Like, less layering. Yeah, it's very minimal. Yeah. Like to me, like, it, although like, I guess I wouldn't call John Darian minimal, but it's it's sing- it's single images, whereas like yes. I tend to think of decoupage as layered images. Same, same, same. This guy, Joseph Heidecker, Mm -hmm. I need you to look at these pieces. Mm -hmm. He does decoupage with, these are all like yearbook photos, Mm. black and white yearbook photos Mm -hmm. that he cuts out and layers onto like furniture and vases. And it's like very powerful and weird. And like, yeah, it's just like faces on a bunch of vases, Mm -hmm. which is fascinating. And then I am obsessed with it's a little hard to see, but this design firm, Quintana Partners, they, in a kitchen remodel that they did, there was just like an old fridge that the like people decided to keep and they decoupaged the fridge. What did they put on it? It's like all of these like old like magazine yeah. cutouts wow. and newspaper cutouts. And it looks so fucking cool. And the rest of the kitchen is like super minimalist. It's like, you know, a pale wood table, like very industrial shelving, a red lamp, and then this like decoupaged refrigerator. It's it's sort of like the idea of, you know, hanging stuff on your fridge, but it's just glued, all glued to your fridge. Yes, it's permanently hanging stuff on your fridge. Yep. That's exactly it. That is exactly it. I love it. I love it. It sent me down a bit of a cherished rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. I also was like, oh, right. Like lo- looking for decoupaged things. Like th- this is how you find like also just like singularly unique pieces mm-hmm. on like vintage sites or like right. Etsy and Cherish and whatever. There's yeah. a lot of really interesting and cool stuff that's obviously handmade. Yes. There's this like decoupage 1928 glass vase that's at the top of the search result that is like sick. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. There just feels like a lot to play in there. This like tray that is decoupaged with old money. Anyway, it also just reminded me of what a delight Mod Podge is as a product. There are like so many kinds of Mod Podge now. There's this dishwasher safe one. Great. There's glow in the dark. There's something called Stiffy, which is a fabric stiffener. Um, Oh, smart. There is a whole site called modpodgerocksblog.com. I am not joking. That is just like all ideas. It's I all need- ideas of what you can do with my. And is it, is it, is it by Mod Podge Corporate? It is. It Amazing. is. It is the that corporate website with fabric in three steps. Cute. Love this. And I need you to look. I need you to click this link. The branding of Mod Podge is so good. I. It's never changed. 
It's it never changed. Good. And even like the things that they introduce now feel like very in line with the brand. It doesn't look crazy. They have this yeah. like glitter one that has a sparkly background, but it's still our pink and orange and white mm-hmm. Mod Podge logo. It is so good. Um, it feels like very like I feel like this style is sort of like making a comeback. Like it feels like parade is like maybe getting into Mod Podge branding territory, like mm-hmm. those colors and like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like late 60s, early 70s. It's like a, like Brady Bunch vibes. Yes, yes, yes. Totally. Anyway, love. That's the show. That's the show. This has been a production of Dear Media, and we are so grateful to the talented team over there for helping us make this podcast happen, especially to our wonderful producer, Ali Slice. You can follow us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. And if you have ideas for our show or want to advertise, email podcast at a thing or two HQ.com. Find show notes and sign up for our newsletter at a thing or two HQ.com too. If you love the show, consider supporting it by signing up for a secret menu also at a thing or two HQ.com. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.